Hey, Starting Nine listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball Nip. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball Nips and have a great time on the golf course. On today's starting nine, Jake and Carl come back from a well-received and deserved break. To get into all the Major League Baseball action you guys may or may not have missed over July 4th holiday week. Also joining a shortstop, Atlanta Brave, Dansby Swanson, a first ballot Hall of Fame baseball guy. We're going to have a great show. Let's get into it, boys. Action! And welcome back to starting nine. This is Carl here in Chicago. We've got Colin Cooper in New York and uh, in Snake Out in Austin. I saw yeah, you yeah. surfing over the week. Welcome back. It's been a while. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Doing really good. It, it feels like it's been been a month, um, but in the you know in, in the time since we last spoke, you know I I couldn't get up on the board at all. Could not surf. And now, you know, I'm surfing no rope. I just bought a new board. I'm working on a 360, so I'm a quick learner. So I'm very proud of myself. Uh, Cooper got up on the board last night for the first time. We surfed until 9, 9.30. He's like, Dad, one more run, one more run. I'm like, dude, the, the alligator gar are, are going to be kind of swimming around. I don't know if you want to be in the water for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But we, we had a beautiful week. Uh, very happy 4th of July and glad to be back. Yep. Glad to be back doing shows with you, you and Colin. How how was uh, your week? How was the time off? I played a lot of average golf. Uh, low round 78. Fuck this. No, dude. That's that's good. Listen, I had an albatross. Listen to me. I had you an had albatross. Two, you had a, a two on a five? 465 yard, par five, paw paw, public course in Michigan. My brother and I are playing. Had, had, a, had a witness with me. Uh, wind at my back, about a 265, 270 yard drive, catch and roll, hard ground. And I'm about two, 205 out from the stick. I get a six iron on accident. I mean, to hit the five iron nice and low and run it up there. I hit a six. I catch it absolutely perfect, bounces, and I'm playing a logo ball. So this ain't, it's, it's like one of those like vacation logo balls. So while we're checking in, I was like, hey, let me get a pawpaw ball. So I only I only have one of these logo balls in my bag. So I knew my brother couldn't be fucking with me. We spent like five ten minutes looking around the green for the ball because I was like, dude, I'm not giving up this shot. Yeah, I'm the not last, dropping. last place you're gonna look is the hole. Like, do you think there's no way I just made this? I've probably walked past two hundred <laughs> holes in my life, three hundred holes in my life, being like, ah, maybe the ball's in here. No heavy F's. F's. Heavy F's from you. Sorry, already. sorry, sorry. Already. Are we? It's okay. Keep it rolling. You're you're passionate about the story. Keep going. I know it's just the albatross doesn't happen very often. So I gotta I gotta I'll peel it back. Um, I I trust Colin took a couple of the f's out already, and I know that this when I saw it in the hole, I just lost my mind. I just was going nuts. I I could I was so excited that I couldn't even get excited. And my brother's like, "Why are you not excited?" I said, "I'm so excited. I've I've lost my mind." I would have done the same thing, and then I would have doubled the next hole. How was your, how was the next hole? So the next hole is a drivable par four and being the idiot I am, I hit the albatross ball 
and it almost went out of bounds over the green because I was just so jacked up. I hit an absolute missile bomb, and we found it, like, up against the fence, and my brother almost beat the crap out of me for playing the albatross ball. He's like, how stupid are you? He's like, you got to be the stupidest guy I've ever met. So what did he want you to do? Like, just keep that ball, not, like, frame it, never use it again? Guy, that ball goes back in the bag, man. You can't be throwing a two on a five round. Now – I will never get a – I will never – I shouldn't say never, but a hole-in-one is such a tremendous accomplishment. And people say the albatross is significantly more difficult. So I believe by the uh, by the numbers, it's much more likely to get a hole-in-one, correct, than, a, mm-hmm. than an albatross. Yeah. But there's just something about the one, the elusive one. I want the one. I don't want, I want the, the two. One. I want the one. My grandfather, you know, he, he passed uh, several years ago, but he had like five or six hole-in-ones. I'm like, what? Come on. I just got and a he, bad cramp. I just got a bad cramp. You did? I had one in the middle of the night, like in a really weird spot, kind of low calf inside, like not even the meat of the calf, like closer to the ankle. Woke me up about 2.45. I fell asleep on Lackey's couch. Um, you know, woke up with just an insane cramp, insane cramp, but, uh, <laughs> doing better today. I, yep. uh, but uh, talking about golf, I haven't played since the last time I played with you. No, it's been, I mean, almost two months or something like that. I just haven't, You're have gonna... not played golf. I know it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good, but we've just been, we've been doing so many other things and kids are out of school for the summer. There's just so much to do so much going on. And it's 106 degrees like every day here right now, so if you don't tee off at seven, I mean you're uh, you're in need of an IV by the turn. But yeah, or you'll I, be waking up in the middle of the night with the cramp. I mean, are these these are surfing cramps? Have you heard of surfing cramps? No, they are surfing cramps, and you know we're uh, we're out there all day, all day, and not drinking enough water. Yeah, couple seltzers. Couple seltzers. Uh, couple seltzers. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a bad, bad boy. Bad boy. I've been into margaritas lately. I can't. It's just, it gets hot and then I just start. Making your own? Uh, pre-made. Yeah. I'm pathetic. Pre-made. Well, there's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, and it, and it can. And it can. Hey, speaking of which, can we talk about nice additions to the family that were made over this week? My buddy, Eric Telly, shout out Telly. Uh, it was like, dude, I see that you are killing it on the green egg. You're always posting green egg stuff. This is a very good friend of mine. Uh, big spender sent me this. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to see a knife. This knife, this is dangerous. Look at this knife. This is a Japanese. No way. No it's way. It's a Japanese steak knife, and it cuts. I think it, it like, cut the cutting board. So. Brittany, bring the knives. I got to show you oh. mine. Don't sh- dude, they that- just. We just talked about this before the show. I just told you I bought a brand new set of Japanese uh, kitchen knives. I'm going to see if she's sweet enough to, to bring me my set. And I bought this badass like leather case they all fold up into because these the knives are almost they're too sharp just to have sitting in the drawer. You know what I'm saying? Like they they got to be in like a, they got to be sheathed or in a that is phenomenal. So your buddy bought you this knife. Yeah, it's like a $200. That's definitely, yeah, yeah. So we go to this place yesterday. So my mother-in-law wanted to take me. It's called Austin Blades. And she, she's borderline hoarder. She's got like seven sets of Japanese kitchen knives. I'm like, oh, you don't even really cook all that much. But well, whatever, we'll, we'll inherit them one day. So we'll get them. But um, I go in there. I'm looking at all these Japanese knives. And 
uh, I pick one off of, you know, they're on like this, this metal, like mag magnetic deal, like up on the wall. I take a look at one. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take the whole set. It's like 12 knives. They're like 200 bucks a piece, but he's, he's starting to box the one. I'm like, no, I need, I need the paring knife. I need the butcher knife. I need the, the one that's in like a, a big rectangle. I don't even know what that one's called. Um, you got, you got to have, it's a butcher. Well, they're, that's a butcher knife. The cleaver, the cleaver. That's the, yeah, yeah. It's like the rectangular blade. So yeah. That's that. like, uh, that's a Jeffrey Dahmer one when you're chopping up the bodies with that one. I, um, yeah. I mean, I think they're primarily for like car, like carving up like, like big fish and, but I'm, I'm going to, it's basically going to be used on red meat and, and some chicken. Um, and then the guys, I'm like, I need a, a sharpening setup. I need like the West stone. I need the, the leather strop. And he's like, well, you can just bring it into the, you know, in the shop and I'll sharpen it for you. I'm like, dude, I look, I, I like to do everything myself. I want to be able to sharpen my own blades. Just show me what I need and, and box it up. Let's, let's get this going. I can see you getting one of those medieval stones that like turns on a wheel and you say, you got to grind your it foot. yourself. Yeah. And you just, you just sharpen that and hold it at a 22 degree angle. I did my research on this blade. The for best that. sharp is between, knife. I think it's for most knives on a whetstone mm, are between a 17 know, and like, 22 degree angle. So the, this blade I'm holding here, if, if you're not watching on YouTube, this is a pro tech. It's a beautiful knife. I, I think the, these are, these are different angles. So it depends on the okay. knife. You you okay. want those Japanese knives to be extremely extremely sharp, so I think the angle is slightly different. These are still sharp, but you don't want it quite as sharp as that. And then, do you, you own know, any samurai blades? I can see you having a samurai blade on the wall for no reason. Whoa, what is this guy? Stainless this is, steel. This is a zero tolerance. I picked this one up yesterday. It's it's another beautiful little everyday carry, uh, but again, very sharp. I was just shaving my arms a little bit um, to make sure it's sharp. Yeah, but uh, it's it, it's definitely a different angle, different different angle than the, the Japanese blade. That like, dude, that'll cut like right through like a piece of leather. It's great. It's it's, it's great to knife. feel that now that I've felt that power in my hands. Yeah. Uh, you know, now that I know what it's like, it feels it feels good. Hey, uh, we should remind our audience: Dansby Swanson is going to jump on the show in a little bit with us. We have a great conversation with Dansby. We'll promo that in a second, but just hang with us. Um, we're going to get to some stuff around the league, but I still want to keep – it's been a little bit for the boys. So Yeah, let's catch you know. up. Don't don't shortchange me on the I'm not. small talk. I, I know where your heart lies, and uh, it's at Lake Austin right now. It's with the big house. We've talked before about this. I'm interested. Uh, what's did going you, on? Did you, get the, you got the knives? The oh, we go get them? Yeah. Oh, here, here. She's going to get them for me. Bring, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in. Sorry. Uh, just a I, great, I, just a great mom, just a great wife, a great woman, Brittany. Thank you. The knives are in studio. This is the first time here. ever live on starting nine to do a Japanese full knife set review. Um, again, these were just recently purchased. These things are as sharp as the Baltimore Orioles right now who cannot lose a game. These are sharper than the Mariners. So th this is just like, it reminds me of Indiana. Look Jones. at this case. I mean, it's subscribe just... to YouTube. Oh, it's and it was in the car for a while, so it's nice and warm. The leather is soft. The company, smell the leather for me. Let's see. Uh, I mean, the company is called uh, Boldrick. I didn't know. I don't know shit about Boldrick, but I saw it on the shelf, and it just felt. It's got nice, you know, leather that's got weight to it. 
just it's <laughs> and it's got uh, it's the dark brown leather with the the gold buckles. Um, I, it just felt like the right move, you know. I, Brittany didn't actually come into the knife store with us. It was just me and, and my mother-in-law, which is the right move, so I could spend a little extra. So let's, I don't want to cut myself, but let's find, uh, let's find this blade here. Let's find this blade. Okay. And this company is called Shun. It's a Japanese company. We're going to just take one of these guys out. So, Whoa! So there it is. I mean, this ain't no joke, folks. If you're not subscribed to YouTube, we're doing full knife reviews here. Starting nine's been gone for two weeks. I mean, and we just—I mean, we're just with the sharp stuff here. Look at wow! This. Look at us. I mean, look at the lines. Your lines are are way bigger than mine. Very, very, very good knife. Okay. You have more lines than me. Well, it's a it's a much larger blade. Yeah, it's a, a nice. So one. that's that's a good one. The other the other ones are. Um, are still in the cases. I'll leave those in there for, for the time being. But I, I'm excited to get going. I'm Ooh, Colin, look at Colin. Colin, Colin with, with a nice piece of plastic coloring. <laughs> um, yeah. Very, very cool that we both, you know, have, have a Japanese blade on, on the show. At Like, not just like we just got Japanese, like we got Japanese blades and then we brought them to the recording. Um, all right, let's talk about Japanese baseball players for a second. Shohei Otani. I thought that was a fair transition. Before we do, though, I want to thank our good friends at Roman Swipes. Uh, Roman has stepped up and back starting nine because they know that the guys on this show, we want you to have good sex. We have good sex. We want you sharp as a – hard as a rock, hard as a whetstone, knife-sharpening rock. And who doesn't want to last longer in the summer? Summer Night's a good TV show, an awesome concert. You know, you just want stuff to last longer in the summer. Days are longer. Your boners should be longer. Roman wants you to last longer in bed, 340% better in bed. Roman swipes are the secret to longer-lasting sex. They're uniquely formulated to reduce overstimulation without eliminating sensation altogether. Super easy to use swipes. Take the swipe out, apply, let it to dry. Five minutes, enjoy longer-lasting sex. I use swipes all the time for good, good long, hard sex. Uh, out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, you're good to go. We're giving you guys five months uh, swipes. Your first month of swipes, just five bucks. It's it's a nice deal. Get GetRoman.com. That's GetRoman.com backslash starting. GetRoman.com backslash starting to get your first month of swipes for just $5 when you choose a monthly plan. Um, I'm going to give you a couple things here off the top. You tell me what you want to talk about right here. All right, ready? Javi Baez almost got into a fight with Amir Garrett. Sandy Alcantara is the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, Pujols and Miguel Cabrera going to the All-Star game. Keith Hernandez, should he be a Hall of Famer? Jock Peterson named to the All-Star game. Chris Sale in a minor league comeback. Fucking wrecked. Absolutely just wrecked a bunch of shit. Uh, Scherzer's coming back. And ever since Aaron Judge settled arbitration, he's been playing like shit. Uh, I, I, I think we should probably get into bits and pieces of all of that. That's all very, very juicy stuff. Uh, what stood out to me, um, maybe I just need a little more clarity on the Chris Sale situation. So, Talk to me about this. Yeah, so he was pitching for, I want to say it was like the Sea Dogs, the Portland Sea Dogs or something. And he comes off, I, I don't know exactly what the controversy was if he got screwed on a call. I think it's more him own and how he was, like his anger usually is just within his own is within himself. Um, 
And he came off, and he just went right down the tunnel, and he just started smashing stuff on the walls and started fucking – and they broke like a TV in the clubhouse and just had a full-blown temper tantrum and then walked back in the dugout like just had to get that off my chest. Now, you weren't – I know you would get fired up and pissed off, but I feel like some pitchers can do that, and that benefits – that's a great fucking knife. Just talk about sharp. Chris, that's the Chris Sale slider of knives. Uh, Chris Sale, look, I, I know him and I would like would be boys because we have uh, we have uh, mutual friends, mutual very good friends. Um, but I, I don't I don't know Chris Sale, Sale personally well. Uh, but I, I kind of like that, you know. He's uh, he's kind of guy. See, and then I know he's very mellow, but like uh, maybe has a little bit of that John Lackey mentality in him when he gets into that competitive mode where the juices are flowing. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to to dial it back or rein that kind of stuff in. So you just kind of let Chris Sale uh, be Chris Sale. Uh, you know, if he broke a TV, so what? He'll pay for it. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, but obviously, <laughs> you like whatever, what he did. You like what he did. He took the boys out to dinner, dropped six grand on a dinner for the. Of course the minor he leaders. did. Of course he did. I've got some. I, I, I've heard. I've heard some amazing things about Chris Sale. Uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of that uh, on the show, uh, but yeah, I know he's. I know his generosity is is through the roof. And he's just a, he's a show player. He's a show veteran player. Um, man, he's battled some battled a lot of injuries. I just uh, love to see him healthy because uh, when he is, he's one of the best arms we got. And speaking of healthy, Jock Peterson, healthy, putting up a clinic this year. He's going to the All Star game. I just love that swag. I remember the first time I got truly introduced to Jack Peterson was his don't lick the knife was when he got <laughs> he, when he was in the, the home run derby a couple of years ago. And it was like the first time I remember getting big exposure to him was like this. This guy was just made to be sweet and hit bombs and obviously got to see him more last year in Chicago when he was playing with the Cubs. And he's just one of those guys when he's hot. He's just so hot. He's so cool. And he's just an easy guy to root for, too. Um, you know, I, I know him personally well, and uh, he, he's a great clubhouse guy. I mean, if, if shit isn't going well as a team, like, Jock is one of those personalities that, that brings everybody up, right, in, in moments where that, that seem to have no bright side. He's just – that's the kind of guy he is. Um, and very happy that he's, he's performing the way he is, man. He, he deserves it more than anybody. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the guy can play cards. He, he's a good poker player. Uh, he's taking a lot of dudes money. Uh, it's funny to watch. So, uh, be careful if, if you want to, you want to square off, uh, against jock head to head, you better be fucking ready to play some cards. <laughs> See, now this is, this is the type of shit I live for. Cause that's the inside where it's like, how's this guy? It's jock. How's he end up getting slapped by a tunnel? I mean, the guy's a gamer. Speaking of gamers. I don't want to freak you out too much, but you were a freshman in high school when Albert Pujols made his MLB debut, and he's playing in the All-Star game next week. <sighs> Truly amazing. Well-deserved. He should be there, him and Cabrera. Um, I don't necessarily know. Uh, like, the commissioner's office, can can they vote? How many guys can they vote in? Can they do whatever they want? Um, I, I'm not saying it's it's not a good idea. I'm just not sure of how all that works. Uh, I think both of them uh, deserve to be there for the game of baseball. Um, just, just really fucking cool. But how, how does that work? Is that something they can just kind of put people in for commissioner gets a pick like legacy guy each league? Okay, so okay. I, so every year I mean, there's gets, yeah. there's two guys. Yeah. 
Okay. News to me. Uh, yeah, I'm learning something new every day. Well, I think it's cool that there's a lot of these younger guys that are in there that watched both players and found inspiration and motivation from these players. And not saying it's like, oh, well, I modeled my game after Albert Pujols, but these were the two biggest titans, at least in my generation, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, imagine, so, imagine being in your first All-Star game and you got fucking Cabrera and Pujols there. Like, just one of those, an opportunity um, for guys to tell, you know, their kids and their grandkids about. Like, I grew up watching this guy play, and now I'm in the same dugout with him at the All-Star game. So... Uh, just just a cool baseball story. But what about snubs? Have you been in the locker room with snubs? Because now we're getting to the yeah. point where it's like yeah. Ty France was in there, Carlos Rodon, Dylan Cease, Kevin Gossman isn't at all. There, so there's all star, there's people who. Sure. Well, shit, I, that... I, got snub, I got snubbed in 15. You did? I, I, didn't, I didn't make it in 15. Um, I, in 14, you know, I missed uh, uh, the first couple weeks. But I, you know, I had I had a really really nice season. But I was just just kind of coming onto the scene, so it it uh, it made some sense. But there's always guys that that miss out that should or, or deserved an opportunity to be a part of the All Star game. Um, yeah, is that a lot of politics then, though? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if there's a guy, if there are guys that um, say say you performed just about as well as a guy like Kershaw and it's your first or second year in the league, you, you know, you're, you're probably going to get, get overlooked. Um, and I don't think that's right or wrong. I just think that that's, that's how, how it goes uh, in, in any sport, like in, in the NBA or whatever, if you got one of your game's biggest stars who is on performing as well as you, or maybe even not, not quite as well, that, that name is probably going to get taken over you. So while we're recording this, we just got we're approved. We're going to the All Star game, allegedly. I mean, your schedule notwithstanding, I know you're moving to that big, big, big ass house of yours. I like All Star games. Yeah, so we're we are. I've just got selected to go to the MLB All Star game this year. Congratulations, to me for selection. Nice, uh, your, your first second selection. selection. Ian Happ's going too. Is Rizzo? We got it. We should do something. We gotta get Happ and Rizzo. We or we gotta get like the. We gotta do something there. Yeah, I mean, I I need to. Uh, first of all, you know, congratulations, I need to call Ian Hap. Yeah. I need to call Hap. And you know what? It, it's one of those things that go. Oh, I I don't call him because he didn't call me. But Hap, where you at, man? I know I know you're busy. I know you're busy, but uh, pick up the phone. So Hap actually, he's a competitor of ours. Did you know that? Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's had his his show going for a couple years now. I mean, he's he's doing his thing. Yeah, Ian, be a friend of the program. Come on, one time. Um, He's doing his thing, man. I don't want to offend him. So, congratulations to us on our all-star nominations. L.A. is a great first destination for me, and I know you like playing it. You like going to L.A. for for baseball games. Love going there. Love going there. And we've talked about it um, a lot. It's just the history there. You know, watching like watching old clips of of games being played in Dodger Stadium. Um, and knowing that, like, you're in, in the same confines. Like, just really, really cool that there. We, at least we have a few stadiums like that that still exist. Uh, but at some point, Dodger Stadium might be gone. Or maybe they right. maybe they renovate it. But, man, just just don't, don't get rid of it. Don't do what they did to old Yankee Stadium. 
Don't let it happen. Can I get a knife check? Do you have any any one that you just opened or? Uh, the last one I opened. So two, four. There's only six here. I think I might be missing a knife. Maybe not. No, it's it's six total. Okay. You know, you got you got this guy. So this is like the smaller of the the chopper. Yeah. Or the cleaver. I like. I feel like I'm gonna have this one in my hands quite a bit. And then the one that you'll probably see me with most. Probably that guy. Probably that guy there. That's a very trustworthy knife. It's a nice knife. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, as we're going through this, I'm gonna just put them, put them in their case, and um, you know, have them ready for the next time we're preparing a, a large piece of red meat. And if there's anybody out there that wants us to review sharp cutlery or cutlery or kind of whatever the official terminology of this is, obviously just reach out. We're in a sharp. We are into sharp objects on this. We show. love knives. I, I, yeah, I just I love having a blade on me at all times. I'm always always have a fanny pack. Carl, you're a fanny pack guy. There's just things. There's things you need on your person that you don't want in your pockets. Whoa! Uh, you I know? think last time we were hanging out, you had a fanny pack. Then you, uh, you know, then you, what? Like con- you conceal. You conceal firearms in your fanny pack. Sometimes it's I do. I do because, um, you know, I can still carry most times that I leave the house and I'm typically in, you know, uh, a five inch inseam short, uh, and a tank top. So there's not really many places to conceal it other than, other than the fanny pack. So that's where we keep it. Hey, speaking of firepower, I got some league leaders I want to read off here. Kyle Schwarber leads the National League with 27 home runs. Congratulations, Kyle Schwarber. A big controversy around, big controversy around Chicago, or like, I, sh- I shouldn't say it like that, but man, people will never get over the fact that Jed and Tom Ricketts didn't have eight million dollars for him one year. They're just like, no, we don't. And he's just they, – they showed his side-by-side his last 162 to Aaron Judge, and he's got, like, a higher slug. He's, his numbers are just as comparable. So, uh, you, you try and think along with some of these decisions that are made, and it just gets to the point where it's so frustrating, right? Like, we're trying to figure out – you're trying to figure out why uh, they, they decided not to sign a guy or, or this or that, and it's just uh, – you just – I feel like we spin our wheels. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll – We'll never know because did they think he wasn't going to, you know, slug or hit for power? No, I think they did. You know, I, th- I think they believe that. Um, I know that he fit in well in that organization and in that city. Everybody loved him. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the answer. What about uh, Verlander is leading the American League with 11 wins. And right behind him is Logan Gilbert with 10 wins. And if you did a side-by-side with these guys, you see the scrawny, like, fastball-heavy Logan Gilbert, and then you see the veteran thoroughbred Verlander. And it's almost like that pitching ninja where I could just see, like, the gif of him slowly transforming into Verlander. Uh, the the difference between both of these guys at the top of the league, they're, I just love – the fact that Verlander's still going and then you still have like a guy like Logan Gilbert who's established himself as like the hype is worth every ounce. You watch this guy pitch, he's a fucking sorry, I gotta watch the swear words, but he's just an 
animal, man. He got so mad the other night for giving up a home run to Otani. Like, as soon as the ball off the bat, he's just screaming at himself on the mound. I like those guys that get mad over one mistake. Yeah, because, you know, it could cost you the game. That that one pitch could cost you the game. Uh, and, and it sucks, for sure. And when you're when you have stuff like Logan Gilbert, you there are times you go out there, I did a lot, where you expect to not give up a hit or a run. So when you're dialed in and, you know, somebody pops you, it, it sucks. Yeah, you, you might you might lose it emotionally for a moment. But um, but yeah, you, you'll, you'll dial it back in. It's just it's one of those things. And he hit I saw Logan give up a uh, just an absolute moonshot to Otani. Uh, a couple weeks ago and it's just, just the look on his face like as soon as it was off the bat I think it was 118 off the bat he hit it like 475 feet um th- no one wants to give give up a, a you know a long ball like that but you know when you throw a 97 and you miss uh a guy like Otani's gonna hit it hit it to the moon but and to your point with Verlander I don't even know what to say about the guy anymore I, I just don't – I don't understand. I mean, he – how long is this guy going to pitch for? I, I hope he he keeps going for another four or five years. The velocity is, is still there. His Obviously, his knowledge of pitching is only getting better and better. Uh, and I remember back to – this might have been a month or two ago. They showed a, um, a clip of him in the dugout kind of, you know – rotating the baseball on his hand, changing his grips, just kind of working on his, his hand position, his release. Like this guy's still learning at, you know, 38, 39 years old. Um, and that's it. If you want to pitch for a long, long time, like you have to still be a student of the game. Like he is. Is he cool though? I mean, um, is he a cool guy? I, that I just, so did you watch that documentary, the fastball documentary, like uh, with, Walter Johnson, they talked about Walter Johnson a lot, and Bob Feller and Nolan Ryan. You know, Verlander was a big part of that documentary. I loved it. I thought he was great in that. You know, I I never really hear anything bad about Verlander. Um, I don't I don't know him personally. I mean, I've asked him to sign a couple baseballs um, in, in the past. He's always uh, always been willing to do that. I know that he takes care of young guys. Uh, I, I hear he's a great teammate. So that's that's what I have to go by. I'm interested here. What uh, I, I see, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, they finished the first half of the season. Uh, as we come into the fr- end of the first half of the season, I should say they're neck and neck with each other. I, I think fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh, and wins above replacement. They do it so differently though. Aaron Nola's getting a ton of strikeouts this year relative to what he normally does, and uh, it's just interesting to see because these guys have just been like Wheeler's just he's taking that next step in his career and they just keep moving it forward. And I just feel like they're never going to, they're not going to be able to get the recognition as long as they're playing until they win in that division. Until, right. until they really win. I mean, look, but if you talk to, you talk to any position player around baseball, you're going to hear extremely high praise from, from every single guy you ask about those two guys. Um, the, un, the uncomfortability, is that a word? Uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I nailed uh-huh. it. How how uncomfortable guys are in their at bats uh, against against Wheeler and and Nola might not necessarily be an uncomfortable at bat, but he peppers the bottom of the strike zone with his fastball. He's got an incredible the incredible ability to throw that hip shot to lefties. His curveball, 
it's almost like it it goes right before it it starts its break and then you just you just run out of bat um wheeler's obviously got super high octane velocity he's got a great change up he's got a really good cutter he's got a great curveball and he um he's figured some shit out man he's he's really really figured some shit out and not only uh is he is he pitching really well he's been doing it consistently now for for how long you know what i'm saying who would you pick for game seven you don't tell me you'd piggyback them pick pick one god i mean i love them both it's so hard because i've just seen seen it firsthand what both of them can do and when they're both at their best uh i don't even like it's pretty impo- i think it's, it's honestly it's, like an impossible it's question really hard because that you know Nola is one of the hardest working guys I've ever seen. Like you, you'll come into the clubhouse, and I'll answer your question in a second. But you, you'll 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 get there early, what you think is early, and then you'll you'll change. You go into the weight room, and Nola's in there, you know, rolling around on a lacrosse ball, like getting his shoulders and his hips loose, like three or four hours before he even has to do anything. And he's watching video, and he's. Um, He's doing contrast. You know, when he when he does contrast, it's it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So he puts on uh, and he he learned this from Jeremy Hellickson. So he would wear those those rubber gloves like the sil- uh, silicon gloves, and then he would tape tape around his wrists. And I'm like, dude, Knowles, what the hell are you doing? Like, why do you have gloves on? You look like a serial killer. What are you What are you doing? Walk around in your sliders and rubber gloves taped taped at your wrist. He goes, well, I do this because I'm in the water so much so my fingers don't get pruny. So if I have to throw, like, I don't get blisters. I'm like, oh, all right, all right, makes perfect sense. But you just look fucking insane. So so to answer your question, um, oh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Nola. I'm going to take Nola. But, you know. I'm I, taking Nola, too. But, I mean, there's not a wrong answer. No, they're because, both fine pitchers. That's why I bring it up because yeah. they're next. They're literally neck and neck. If you look at their effectiveness and, and the way people measure this stuff, I mean, they're literally at the end. The they're like identically valuable, but the way they go about it, their ground ball rates, the strikeout rates, the pitch counts, they're different type of guys. What I like about Aaron Nolan in Game Seven is like there's already enough pressure in that moment. There's something to be said about pounding the strike zone in in a in a very pressure packed game. And I think you've seen it before with Hendricks in the game six of the NLCS, obviously the game seven, where like if you're pitching to contact in a game seven or in that super pressure environment, there's just something where I think the hitters already have enough pressure on themselves too. Well, there's, there's a difference between pitching to contact and then throwing well-executed quality strikes, which is still essentially pitching to contact. So you you kind of have to take it one step further, right? Like, you can pitch to contact by just throwing the ball down the middle, but you can also do the, you can also do the same thing by being effective in the strike zone early and then getting guys to chase pitches and force weak contact late in the count with stuff that's, that starts a strike, but ends up outside of the zone. And both of, both of those guys can do it extremely well. I mean, Wheeler, he'll just, he'll blow cheese at 98 um, first pitch. And then it's like, Oh shit. Now, now, now what am I looking for? And then, you know, you still, you might sit heater and he throws one at your knuckles that maybe you foul off. Uh, and then you're, you're in a world of trouble because now you gotta, you gotta protect both sides of the plate. 
and you have to cover three or four pitches. Um, and, I, and Nola can do the same thing. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a master at, at commanding the ball in the strike zone, making the ball move around, and making the plate appear that it's, instead of 17 inches wide, 24 inches wide. Because of how he's able to start the ball off the plate and get it to finish on the plate. And like I said, especially my favorite pitch to watch in all baseball is that hip shot to a left-handed hitter where, you know, the guy kind of left you kind of raise his hands, you know, move his lower half out of the way. And you're like, dude, that ball was right, like almost middle, middle. But ball out of, ball out of hand, it looks like it's chasing you. So, I, you know, in, incredible amount of respect for both those guys. But if I had to choose, uh, I got I to gotta go NOLA. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Um, curse words are down this episode, guys. Jake, thanks for pointing that yeah, out. Yeah, right yeah. You started, you started heavy. You started heavy, but you reined it in. You reined it in. You're coachable. I just get ex- I get excited. I get so amped up and, like, ready to go. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. And a guy like me, I would have benefited from having Dansby Swanson as a teammate. We're going to get to that interview in a second. He sounds like the absolute perfect guy to be playing behind just you. Just makes you want to be Before we get to Dansby. Uh, makes, makes you want to be a better guy. Yeah, and, like, he's just he, – he's a, he's a mound visit guy. Would love to be a fly on the wall for a mound visit there. Um, some other guys I want to give some credit to for some good first halves that you probably don't hear about very often, but I want you to be aware of – uh, this guy, John Birdie, he's got 25 stolen bases for Miami. He's a bowling green guy. I think he was like an 18th rounder. Absolute brutal start to his minor league career, like hitting 200 or whatever. And he's one of these guys, COVID happened. It was like a little bit before COVID happened, like the light switch went on. He's just a grinder. He's getting a chance with Miami right now. And I, like every organization would kill to have a John Birdie in the dugout. So when you talk about the Marlins, you talk about the starting rotation. Uh, this is an opportunity to just give John Birdie some shine. This is my unknown first half player of the year. Well, he's he's a guy that, like for a while, like you play against and you, you'd see him uh, in spurts, like do do some really impressive things in the baseball field and then kind of have, have periods where he struggled a little bit. Um, but – absolutely is a guy who can break out and become a star for that team. There's, there's no question about it. And he's got, he's got all the tools. Low strikeout rate. Um, we just like guys like John birdie, like the, the sport of baseball, he just, just gives a platform for, like I said, like, like who cares about, you know, a late teen rounder from Bowling Green, Kentucky that like a hundred out of 101 times doesn't make it to triple a, uh, but baseball is one of these sports. Like, you could love them. But then on the opposite, I also want to give a shout-out. Juan Soto has walked 20 more times than the next, like, the number two in baseball. And we're not talking about high school numbers here. We're not talking about, like, you know, the three-hitter on LSU going to a Tuesday night game against McNeese State. They got no choice but to walk him. We're talking about the big leagues. Like Juan Soto has 20 more walks than the next guy at the big league level. Yeah. That to me is like the most impressive first half stat. Well, Soto has developed this um, this reputation, uh, and and guys 
become slightly hesitant when they when they face him. Like that's just that, that's just a fact. Um, I'm not saying that guys are scared of Soto. I mean, some might be. And you know, if if you're if you're hesitant and you're you're quote unquote afraid of a guy that steps in the box, how often are you going to see that that at bat? You know, start out 2-0. And then you know you 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 decide to come in the in the zone with something that that's hittable, then then he then he takes you deep, or you end up saying, oh fuck it, like I'm two zero, I'm just going to end up putting put him on. Um, he's 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 just that kind of guy. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. So I want to say, uh, I don't know if you're paying attention to this, but the Orioles and the Mariners I cannot lose a freaking baseball game right now. Astros 8-2 and two over the last 10. There's some very good baseball being played in the American League. We've talked a lot about the Orioles and their strength of schedule up front, and they just played everybody who's awesome. And now they're just getting in the mode. They're playing 500. They're just waxing people right now. Uh, credit to them, building young. They actually have less payroll than Max Scherzer right now. So I, I – I don't even know how to make sense that there's a 26-man roster that's getting paid less than Max Scherzer. Who comes back tonight, by the way? So uh, A lot of – oh, yeah, very, very exciting. Very exciting to get him back. Uh, but as far as the Orioles go, man, you just got a lot of young guys, a lot of young, hungry guys that are trying to trying to make a name for themselves. And sometimes that um, that mindset and that, that hunger to succeed and to, to – become a major league player, a consistent major league player, you know, sometimes that it doesn't, doesn't match the salary. You see guys making, making the minimum going out there, playing hard, flying around the field, making plays. Um, You're going to see it every year. Uh, But collectively from a a team that's, you know, like, like you said, the payroll is, is uh, basically nothing. Um, It's, it's it's good for the game. It's good for the game. Um, You know, wish them well it's going to be you know obviously a struggle in that division but you know they're playing okay yeah they are they got more wins than the angels and that's a brandon hyde product brandon hyde still doing his thing we like brandon hyde a we lot do. on this podcast yeah. let's get him on uh we should get Hyder, him on. yeah he'll, he'll come hang out with us also want to do a uh we're gonna to get to Dansby Swanson. This reminds me though, we should do a knife cutting demonstration at the All Star game. So I don't know if you can carry these on or if we have to travel, but something to just uh, it just flies uh, right. flies private, man. I'll get on that. All right. So the shortstop from the Braves joins us. This guy's exciting because as we get into it, all he's ever wanted to do is play shortstop at the big league level. This isn't some accident where it's like, oh, I figured out I was good at shortstop. This is a very intentional baseball player. Uh, this is a guy who also has a lot of control over how the Braves play their games. This is the textbook clubhouse leader. Um, and as Jake and I talk about in the interview, he's Johnny Baseball. Like, Dansby Swanson is exactly what managers want to manage when they send some guy out to play shortstop. It makes, so, it makes, it makes very, the manager's cool. job a lot easier, knowing you get to pencil that guy in your lineup every day. Hey, guys, don't forget, like and subscribe to the show. And if you're watching on YouTube – 
unsubscribe, resubscribe. Let's get it. All right, we're in the interview portion of today's show. We are joined by Brave shortstop Dansby Swanson. And off the bat, we got to know about the name. Like, just tell me, is this the most baseball name of all time? They say Dansby Swanson, you're meant to be playing shortstop. Uh, So Dansby is actually my mom's maiden name. So that's how that came about. Her, she had two brothers. Uh, One of her brothers lives in Germany, didn't have kids. And then her other one had uh, daughters. So it was just kind of like a family name to just keep it going. Uh, so that's how that came about. But trust me, I've heard everything under the sun. I've heard that's the most Vanderbilt name ever. I've heard that's the most like Southern name ever. I've heard that I should be like, you know, be the Braves attorney. You know, I've heard it all. So whatever, whatever y'all come up with, I'm sure I, uh, I've heard before. Yeah, man. Um, did you, did you always play short? Did you always want to be a shortstop? Did you pitch? Did you play other spots? Because for me, man, like, and I was talking with Carl and Colin about this, you're like the all-American prototypical, like, shortstop. Like, and especially playing for a team like the Braves. Like, when I grew up watching guys, I'm like, all right, like, you got a like, guy like Michael Young, and, like, you you fit that mold. Like, was that always something you envisioned yourself doing once you got to the big leagues? Man, man I've, I've been obsessed with playing shortstop since I was probably, like, five years old. Uh I actually had this uh, VHS tape. It's called Superstar Shortstops. And it, like, went through, like, the history of shortstops. It was focused on Jeter, uh, Nomar, and A-Rod. So this is back when A-Rod was, you know, Seattle and Texas. And I just remember growing up, like, I was watching that thing, like, twice a day. Like, I just couldn't get enough of it. Went through the whole history of, like, who's Honus Wagner, you know, Louis Aparicio, uh, Larry Boa, like, Ray Ordonez, you know, when he was with the Mets. Um, you know, all these guys, Omar Vizquel, and I was just like obsessed with the position. Like it just, I don't know, it just made sense to me. And, and I loved the, like the demands that the, the position of shortstop brings because it's so much more than like just the defense and offense. It's about, you know, kind of captaining and making sure everyone's in the right spot, making sure everyone's on the same page. Like I just grew like obsessed with what shortstop means and like, if you can play a good shortstop, it allows your teams to win. And that's like how I grew up with it, basically. And so I played one year of second base uh, in college, my sophomore year. Um, we had a pretty good shortstop. Um, so I played second and then transitioned back over to shortstop my junior year. But that's that's pretty much the only time I've ever played anything other than, other than shortstop. I did pitch in high school. I mean, it was about 84 and flat. It was good hitting. Like, it – I was the kid that, like, I'm not going to walk you. So either you're going to hit this and you're either going to be out or you're not. I was I was not say that I was a great pitcher by any means. Uh, now that I think about it, I probably should have thrown a few warm-ups, like, over the backstop just to create a little bit of fear because it was it was here it is, hit it. And well, that mid-80s, and I'm sure you're, you're, you're a little heavier than that from shortstop, but that flat, that flat, you know, ball from short. That's that's what you need from a shortstop. I mean, no, no, no one exactly. at first. Yeah, nobody at first ball. wants that that heavy sink coming their way. Uh, yeah, I, you that, know what I mean. And hey, you, you're slowly like you're creeping your way. I mean, you're a veteran guy now. This is your seventh season, right? Seven, six. Yeah, six, six full, like six. Yeah, we'll call one, we'll but, call it yeah. seven. So now for you, when you like your rookie year at short, were you? Obviously, you've become more comfortable, like being that field captain. Did it take a while for 
you like you to get acclimated amongst like the leaders on that team or the guys like buy into you as the shortstop right away because just from from playing against you and knowing what kind of guy you are and hearing what kind of guy you are I'm like this like this is going to be the brave shortstop for a long long time and was that was that easy for for guys to to kind of buy into like yeah this is our guy like we we know he's our guy uh I'd like to think so because I feel like in um, spring training and stuff, like I just went about my business the way it should be gone about. Um, and I just felt like for me, the biggest – I've always put the most emphasis on winning. Like I think that that's why we play. That's the reason why we do what we do. Uh, and I feel like that that message and vision was always very easy to get behind. you know. And so it's like every action that we have on field, at the field, like should all be predicated around one thing and that's to win. So I'd like to think that that kind of like infiltrated everybody's mind. Um, so that's how I've always looked at it. it. The first probably year or so, like the speed of the game was really fast defensively. You know, people talk about like offensively, which is definitely a transition. Like I don't think people realize how hard people hit balls, how much faster guys can actually run. Like this is grown men. This is not, minor league baseball, like this is very much more intense and stressful. Um, so that kind of took me a little bit of time to get used to. But once I started to really feel my way around the game and like understand swings and pitching and where balls are going to go before they go there, uh, really started to make a difference for me. So like each year, it's just kind of like progressed into, like you said, like that kind of like quiet confidence of um, putting this guy here, telling this guy that, you know, he needs to play a little more shallow or, you know, moving your third baseman and saying like, hey, I think we're going, he's going to hit ball towards the six hole. Like I need you to cover the six hole or, I mean, in this day and age when you shift everybody, like there are times for me, I'm like, if we're in a shift and we get a double play ball and can't turn a double play because we're in the Yeah, shift, does that bother like, you? I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. I'm going to be pissed. The pitcher's going to be pissed. And I already know the pitching coach and everybody else is going to be pissed. So you just kind of play the game with your eyes and let it tell you like, what I, what it is I'm wanting to do. Have the Braves here. allow you the freedom to um, kind of take a look at the advanced um, analytics and how they want us to position ourselves, and will they allow you to make adjustments being the shortstop and and understanding um, your baseball IQ? Do they take that into account? Because I know a lot of times you, you can get burned by the shift, but if you really watch, and you can tell me or tell us better than anybody. Because you're you're you know you're playing shortstop in the big leagues, you've done it for a long time, and you've seen how the analytics have kind of progressed over the years. But it seems like now, man, guys are like in the right spot more times than not. Like you might get burned here and there, but and, and you tell me, it seems like we're you're getting more outs than than giving up you know hits uh, within the shift. Yeah, I, well, to me, a lot of that is dependent on pitching too, because. Um, you know, I think that you start to see a lot when it comes to like, I mean, you were more of a, a two seam guy, like two seam guys. It seems to me that the ball typically stays more in the middle of the field because of just the angle in which the ball's coming in and swing path to actually hit a ball like that. And anything that gets pulled typically is chopped, which a third baseman can handle without a shift. Um, so it, yes, the Braves do give me a lot of leeway in terms of like what it is that I see um to make adjustments because sometimes like yeah that's what the numbers may say but at the same time 
you also got to kind of like put into account like intent by a hitter, right? Uh, because I would rather, you know, there's certain guys like I'm okay with certain guys beating me in a shift because I'd rather take pull side ground balls away. But there are other guys too. I'm like, listen, I would rather him beat me with a hard hit ball, you know, through what we would deem as regular as opposed to a shift. So it really just goes a lot to where the game. Do you have examples? Do you have examples of hitters? I'm sorry, but like, are there certain guys that jump to your mind when you're like, man, we don't shift uh, on this dude? So you know what's funny is I feel like I've learned over the years playing against Harper, which Jake, you would know this, like playing playing against Harper, when we shift him, he kills us. Yeah. Kills us. And I've noticed the reason why is because to me it makes him better because he then stays on balls better. Like he has the ability to do that. He's an unbelievable player. So he has the ability to like, hey, they're going to give me that direction. It almost like helps him because he can juice a ball to any part of the park. So I'm like, I would rather play him straight because maybe even just vision wise, it may take him, you know, like where he's like, oh, I don't have the freedom to just necessarily go that direction. Uh, that would be like kind of one example. It's like the numbers may say to pull him, but at the end of the day, I know what his intent is going to be. And that intent's got a lot more damage than, you know, us just playing. And Harper's playing a really good example too, because he'll, he'll adjust his approach multiple times within the at-bat. And, right. you know, from, right. from a player standpoint, I love to see that because when a guy like that steps in the box, you know, I know that I can't just pepper him in his hands with fastballs. He's going to foul him off and then swing a mess. He's going to spread out, and he's going to try and hit the ball. He's still trying to hit the ball hard, but he might. he's, mm-hmm. he's trying to go to left center. He might even, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's just trying to find his way on base. And I yeah. wish there was a little bit more of that around the game because on teams, some teams that I've been, been with, you know, I see, you know, the player development guys and, and the coaching staff just telling these guys, stay with your swing, like do try and do the same thing. Don't worry about the shift. Just, just hit for power, hit for slug. And I think that we're, we're doing guys a disservice because we're not maximizing their ability and we're not teaching them how to uh, be more well-rounded as a hitter. Like, cause if, you know, when you get to two strikes and I, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm teaching, teaching my son, he who's 10, uh, who's a big fan of yours is that p- pick a spot pick pick a spot in the strike zone that you'd like to hit doesn't matter if it's if it's hard or soft if you get something in that window go for it and then with two strikes then all you're trying to do is protect try and find a way on base yeah i i mean i think you're pretty spot on because i think at the end of the day right like if you want to stick around this game you have to drive the ball and you have to produce runs whether you're elite run producer or you drive in runs you have to like the name of the game is what? To score more runs than the other team. So that means that you need to basically either you be scoring the runs, you driving people in, or you preventing people from scoring runs. Like those are, to me, like the three things that make teams win. And so, like you said, if you want to have a career, yes, you need to drive people in. That's just how the game works. But you need to understand within count situation, like what is needed for us to win? What is that me driving the ball in the gap? Is it me, you know, swallowing my pride and taking my single. Uh, you know, one thing that we've talked about before is like, you need to understand whether you're in an advantage situation, whether it's a guy that you're facing, uh, if you're in a disadvantage or you're neutral, and then you can kind of dictate your game plan around that. Cause I mean, there are guys that you may not just, you may not see well. So you're kind of at a disadvantage. It's like, okay, I'm going to take more or less what they, 
give me today as opposed to me looking to do a little bit of extra damage, you know, in a situation like I got to put myself in the right situation to, to be successful. But once again, old school would, you know, there's a what there's a right and a wrong way to teach it. And I just feel like they get it gets so like misconstrued uh, when it comes to the to the hitting side of things. Now, who's the guy or a couple guys that might not be like the, the super high octane, you know, arms, but guys that you just you kind of struggle with a little bit, whether it's just their ability to, you know, change speeds, move the ball around, really locate well. Or just, mm-hmm. just for whatever reason, you just don't quite pick up. You have you have a couple guys within the division, or even even around baseball, that you're just like, damn, I don't know what it is. Like he's not throwing a hundred, but I just you know I pop it up or I swing through it. Yeah, uh, there's uh, Pablo Lopez with the Marlins is uh, pretty uh, pretty pretty special. I mean, they obviously their yeah their whole staff man is is pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, I would definitely say that he's one, uh, just the ability to move the ball, like around all parts of the strike zone and, uh, you know, make it stay straight, make it sink. You know, he's got a great change up. Uh, you know, he's definitely a, a, a tough at bat. He's kind of one that pops off the screen, like for starters, you know what I mean? Like he, I felt like he's always just, he's almost, I'm glad he's finally getting like the credit he deserves because you know, he's having a, having a great year this year. I think he's kind of like the first guy that really pops to mind uh, in terms of just like, man, this guy is, is pretty ridiculous. Now, when you, so when you're facing a guy like that, it doesn't necessarily have to be Pablo, you know, it's going to be a tough at bat just based on your history with him. Will you like early in the count, will there be times where, and I know the situation will dictate that, but are you trying to do damage or are you just saying, no, like, all right, I, I don't see this guy particularly well. I'm just trying to stay on something, hit like a nice, maybe, you know, a, a, a nice line driver right center. Maybe I can do damage if he leaves the ball up or like, does it, does it not matter who's on, who's on the mound? Like I'm going to, I'm going to try and get my swing off no matter what. And then when I get to two strikes, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think you have to tailor it a little bit because like you said, if, if you don't see a guy well, like, why am I trying to do damage? That just doesn't make sense. Um, I think it's important to like know, okay, what is going to serve me well, like in this moment? Is that, like you said, is it uh, a line drive back up the middle? Uh, is it a line drive the other way? Even sometimes, I mean, this is so like taboo, but do I need to just try and get something that I can pull because that's just going to give me the best chance to get a to get a base hit? You know, so uh, there's definitely different ways to tailor it based on who you're facing, whether you see them well, whether you don't, uh, and then you know sometimes too, it's like every time I face, you know this certain guy, I only can hit a ground ball. Like why not maybe just trick myself and try and hit the ball straight up in the air. And maybe I, maybe I find the <laughs> yeah, middle, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, we'll say that all the time. It's like, wow, you just like can't get under this guy. Like, okay, why don't I just try and pop this straight up to the catcher? And those, and are, sink, maybe, those are sinker guys. I'm assuming you're talking about, yeah. right? Guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's always ends up being later and moving more than you think. Well, and you gotta, you um, have, you have to, you almost have to guess, essentially, where where the ball is going to end up, correct? Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know, yeah. forcing well, like think... you, it's kind of like on the same plane, but with the sink, you know, a guy like Zach Britton, like how do you? I, I, don't, I don't even know if you can elevate that sinker unless he just no, happens well, to miss at the belt. Yeah, I've always said that. It's funny, like especially a guy like him, right? You know, you're like, 
They're like, all right, get him up. It's like, well, he doesn't throw he it doesn't up. Throw it's it like, up. how? So what am I supposed to do? Take, you know, do, <laughs> take. I guess swing, swing, <laughs> you know, straight up in the air and try and swing three balls under to make sure I, you know, get it square. Uh, I mean, there's just like there's like different mind tricks that I feel like can be utilized, like with certain guys like that. Just you know, be, are you seeing more sinkers now? I think it's getting. I think it's getting back to that because I think what they what people have figured out is you need to be able to pitch. Like if you want to get people out at the big league level, you can't be a one trick pony. Like you actually have to be able to pitch. And so in order to be able to pitch, what is it that you do well? Well, you know they they everyone got obsessed with high fastballs and breaking balls off of that. Well, if you're an elite guy that can sink the ball and then have something that's going away or even you're seeing more like sinker changeup guys too. I mean, like Sandy, uh, Alcantara with the Marlins, like it's sinker changeup and ain't nobody hitting it, you know? And so it's like, what do you do best? And just go do that. And more times than not, it's going to work out in your favor. Uh, I just think that we got, so that's where the analytics part to me has always frustrated me a little bit. Cause it's like, why not just take what I do really well and implement that into today's plan? you know, or implement that for me to be able to get people out or for me to be able to be successful at the plate instead of saying, well, only four seamers can work nowadays. It's like, that's just not true. Not true not true. And how many guys could you name that could effectively, as a starting pitcher, could pitch at the top of the strike zone and have that curveball kind of bottom of the zone to under for six, seven, eight innings? I mean, it's like Verlander. Garrett Cole, um, maybe a couple more guys, Scherzer. But what can they also do extremely well that that comes before that is down and away. They can pitch in. They've got two other pitches. Well, that's what – I mean, you, you talk to the guys that are like the, the starting guys that are successful, like really, really successful. They essentially – they know the one way that they – can most definitely get you out, right? And they may save that for the time that they definitely need to get you out. You know, because analytics is, to me, has been so obsessed with, like, strikeouts. And it's like, well, if you're trying to punch everybody out, you're already showing your best, you know, pitch right off the bat. Instead of saying, all right, first time through, I'm going to be able to get this guy out with only two of my pitches. The next time I face him, I can use the two other pitches. So, essentially, he's seen two different pitchers two times through and then the third time through the lineup, which is like the analytic nightmare. I I'm saving my best bullets to be able to get this guy out. You know, obviously that's like in a perfect world. Yeah. But I'm like, the reason why guys can't get through the lineup three times is because no one taught them how to get through the lineup three times. That's a fact. And I'm facing you say, if we're in the same division, I'm facing you 20 times a year or whatever it is, maybe more, maybe a few less. Um, so, I, and you, you know what I'm going to do. Oh, oh, I'm throwing 97% fastballs on, on first pitch uh, of the bat. And it's typically away. And then in oh, one counts, I throw this 60% of the time. So there's really, there's no secret to what's going on. And you're exactly right. Like I need to figure out how to get you out. Maybe, maybe I don't throw my change up to you very often, but you know, in, in August, when you've already stood in the box against me 12 to 15 times, I might need to show you that changeup, or I might mm-hmm. need to, you know, show you a sinker in at your hands and whatever the case is. So the numbers are so in your face 
you know exactly what the guy is going to try and approach you with. So when you see something out of the blue, you're like, oh, damn. And then, you know, he ended up getting you out two or three times that game uh, completely different than he would in the past. So it's that it's it's that chess match, man. Like you, you might smash this pitch, but I might have to show it to you every once in a while. Right, exactly. And I think that it's funny. I've even heard some guys say like, They'll they'll do certain things, and I tell them like, if the situation commands it, where let's say we're up a lot or down a lot, where you feel comfortable to do it, do something that kind of throws the scouting report off, that throws the percentages off, does something that's a little bit different, just because it can get people away from what your you know the game plan actually can be. I mean, you think about I hate that I'm gonna use this example, but you know New England when Tom Brady was there, like. I know for a fact that when they were, <laughs> you know, up big in games, they were running certain plays, not only to not show their best stuff, but they're trying to dictate, you know, the scattering report against them because they're not going to, they're going to basically like make the numbers look like something that they aren't, which I think is just like, that's playing chess. You know what I mean? Like that's not checkers. That's chess. Yeah. That's, it's a very smart move. And, um, yeah, I've I've gotten burned a lot, and I'm sure you've got you've hit you've hit some big homers or some uh, hitting for slug because you just knew two one count. Okay, this guy's gonna spin. He's gonna try and spin a breaking ball for a strike, and you just you're you're all over it. So that's I mean that's huge. And um, talking about talking about the sinker, Carl Carl mentioned it. I feel like it's it's making a big comeback, and it, and it needs to. Guys that have the ability to make the ball move from left to right or right to left like that, if they're left handed. It's just it's it's so difficult to hit in a, a well located four seam. It's a great pitch, but man, that shit gets whacked if it's not located. Yeah, I well, my thing too. Like, I just don't understand if the game of baseball is obviously like I said to score more runs than the other team. The other way to look at it too is it's a race to who can get twenty seven outs the fastest, right? So if you got a guy that can manipulate the ball like a sinker or even a, just a really good two seam. And you're getting weak contact early. I don't understand what's so wrong with that. Like we're going to get more outs quickly than you are, which is going to give us a better chance to win. So why not allow you know my guy that's a two seam slider guy or two seam curveball guy to go up there get weak contact two times through the order? We're sitting here in the six up, you know, four to one, and he's at sixty five pitches. Like then we have endless possibilities for how to manage the bullpen. We have endless possibilities on maybe this guy goes the distance, saves our bullpen arms for, you know, this next big series that we got coming up. And, you know, it just, especially if you have a good defense, like if you have a good defense, why not use it? I've always said, you know, there was a big knock on uh, Mike Soroka a couple years ago in his all-star year. He had like a two and a half and people were like, people go, he's not punching enough people out. And I just looked at him and I said, yeah, and I said, I said, well, everybody that goes up to the plate gets out, so I don't know what y'all care about. Like, is what matters guys getting people out, or is it them striking them out? Because if they go back to the dugout as an out, that's all that's I care all about. That's all you care about. You know, as and the, as a starter, I, I, I took, I took pride in not letting, not handing the ball to somebody in the bullpen until at least the seventh inning. Like, that's a great feeling. And I was never like, you know, I had some seasons with high strikeouts, but nothing crazy like a Kershaw or like a Verlander or Scherzer, nothing like that. 
And, but I think the problem is they're looking at like barrel percentage, whiff rate, all that, all those sexy things, but you're a hundred percent right. Like I want as many outs as possible, as quick as possible. Cause not only, not only does that make me look good, but it's preserving the guys, you know, that, that have to come in behind me. Man. And, and I guarantee you in those years where you had more strikeout numbers, the mentality was more of like, hit this instead of I'm going to punch these guys out because when you are on the aggressive and on the attack and you're, you know, hit this, people start fouling pitches off more instead of putting them in play. And then all of a sudden you're sitting in 0-2, 1-2 every time. And we already know what the numbers look like when, you know, you get to a hitter to two strikes as fast as possible. There ends up being more swing and miss. You know, I just, it's funny. Baseball is at a, at a funny point, man. It is. I just, yeah. But, you know, with guys, guys like you, with with the with the baseball IQ and the knowledge, you have the ability, and as a veteran, to kind of push back a little bit. I'm not saying like say, hey, no, yeah. we're we're throwing the we, shit out the window, but like you're you're the dude in the center of the field, like, and you're you're making the plays. You you see everything, so it's 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 good and, that you have the ability the, to kind of make some changes. Yeah, the beauty of that too is like we've each side has earned each other's trust. You know, in terms of like suggestions I've made that have worked out for us or suggestions they've made for me that have worked out, you know, so there's definitely a, a trust there where it's like, okay, like if you want to do something based on what your eyes tell you, go ahead and do it. We're fine with that. And at the end of the day, I'm also okay with, if I make the wrong decision, I wear it. Like I'll own up to it. Okay. Sorry. That was the wrong decision. That's cool. What about, uh, what about this season with, uh, you guys have been on a pretty, I'm not trying to jinx anything here. You guys are on a pretty solid run since June 1st here, Dansby. And you guys had a pretty amazing run at the end of last year. Based on your experience, how is this year compared to what you guys did last year? Uh, to me, the biggest X factor for us this year was when we called Mike Harris up. Um, he, uh, I think the one thing that he did was like completely solidify center field defensively, which is just – to me, ever since he got called up, what, May, like, 24th, we've been pretty good. Like, our record is is pretty top-notch just because less balls fall in the outfield. You know, it's harder for people to get on base, and he's obviously put together a ton of competitive at-bats. Uh, so, to me, that kind of, like, shored up everything. Uh, and then also, too, I mean, I feel like, you know, we obviously had some moving pieces and – you know, Ronnie in and out of the lineup just from, you know, being post-ACL surgery and all that kind of stuff. Like, we hadn't found our rhythm until that point in the year. Uh, and I feel like everything's just, like, coming together because we've all kind of, like, found more of, like, a team identity. I, I always say every year, every year there's a different team. Even if you have the same pieces, it's just a different team. And you have to kind of figure out how all that works together. And, like I said, I think we're just kind of getting to that point of, like, this is who we are. We go out and play our game every night. And if you beat us, fine. Like, we're just going to hedge our bet that the next night you're not going to, you know, so. And there's obviously no panic in, in the Braves clubhouse. Knowing no. know, knowing what, what kind of organization it is and playing against you guys for years, regardless of how, how things have started, it always seems like it's just slow and steady. Like you, like you mentioned. Play, we play tonight. Whatever happens, happens. We come out, come out the next day, prepare to win. And now you guys, what is it? You guys are game and a half back. You got a huge series with the Mets. Um, mm -hmm. How have you guys viewed kind of the division 
thus far, uh, from maybe a couple weeks back to now? I mean, I know you guys are still going to play your game, but has the mentality shifted at all? Do, do are guys looking at it like, hey, we're, we're right there. Now we got to make our move. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like you said, about a month and a half ago, it was kind of like, I feel like we were going upstream without a paddle. You know, it's just kind of like, man, like Mets are playing really well, which they've still been playing well. I just think that we've kind of kicked it into another gear. And I think that you, Jake, you know this, like, because you were, you know, you were in Chicago when they were really good. Uh, there's like this feel that every day you show up to the park that if you just do what you do, like there's a really good chance that you're going to be successful. And that's, that's a very energizing and like, uh, contagious, you know, mentality to have is when we show up, like we got a chance to win every night. That's uh, there's something to be said about that. And I think that's just kind of like what we've gotten to is like, let's just go do our thing and whatever happens is what happens. And we'll make the necessary adjustments for tomorrow. Or sometimes baseball happens. Like this is a hard game, <laughs> you know, and sometimes, you know, you hit out a ton of balls hard and you lose and the other team dinks them all in, but that's what happens. And the more that you get, to me, the more that you get caught up on focusing on everybody else, then you're actually losing because you're more concerned about the outside world instead of, you know, the 26 guys in the clubhouse. That If you're concerned about that and focused on that, then a lot of good things happen. And I think every good team, you know, we were talking about Alabama football earlier. Like, do you think Alabama cares at all about what Clemson's doing or what A&M's doing or you know, what Auburn's doing or Georgia, like Alabama, they show up, they run on the field, they just jog out there, nothing's hype about it because they just know that what they're going to do is beat your ass, really, <laughs> you know, and they just go out there and say, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play our game, have fun stopping it, and we just don't believe you're going to. Like every great team has that mentality. I think the only time – we would really ever look at the standings. You know, when you get your pre, um, pre-series pre like packet of information, you see like how teams have done in the last 10, you might glance at it. But really other than that, it's it's kind of through the media. You hear about, you know, other teams in your division, but you're right. Like we really didn't give a shit about what, what everybody else is doing. So if we prepare to win a game, that's 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 all that matters. And then we'll see where we stack up. Uh, at the end of the year. So, uh, but it's always interesting to kind of hear, you know, the, the feel of the clubhouse, you know, with young guys, because young guys might look at that a little bit more um, than, than a guy like yourself. I never watched any MLB network at all during the season. It was on in the clubhouse. So we'd see some of the clips, but there would be times where I, I'd get questions about certain things and I wouldn't have any idea what they were talking about. Cause all I was focused on is my bullpen or conditioning or getting ready for my next start. And that's, that's where I left it. I, I think that's what you have to do. I mean, I would imagine that all the other really good teams do the same thing. Um, because that's just, like I said, that's the mentality that has to be had. And to me, the, the, if you're putting energy on things outside the clubhouse, other teams or whatever, then that's just less energy you're spending on becoming better. And I think that, the only way for growth to happen is to put everything, you know, on self as in self team, you know, I, I just every good team I've been on has been that way because at the end of the day, you can only control one thing and that's your, you know, preparation and effort. You can't control it, you know, you know, how the Mets do or how the Phillies do or, you know, how the Dodgers did that night or who's playing well, because 
that just ever so slightly is just pulling you out of, you know, what you need to be focusing on. Do you want to manage? Me? Man, I got to get through my playing career first. I'll probably be. I'll... I mean, just listen. I know just listening to you talk, though, man. I mean, it's really interesting because you do get the brand as the field captain. And I, I you know, you talked about those three things. You're either scoring runs, you're driving runs, and you're preventing runs. And you kind of strike me as a guy who wants to be good at all three, wants to do whatever those three things are at once. And it's just kind of interesting to me as you talk more and the more I get to hear you explain the way you think about the game. You know, I think these are the type of attitudes and influences that baseball needs in the, in the clubhouse and around player development, particularly with statistical advantages and all the insight and analytics that go in. The more you talk about the stuff, you know, you calling ships, you having that relationship, uh, you know, if you're ever on the fence about it, man, you got my Dude, I think this guy – he might want a summer after he's done playing. He's gonna, he's gonna he's gonna play for twenty years. He might want to enjoy himself for a minute. I don't know. I, think, I don't know. It sounds like man, he's gonna. You sound like a guy who can't take a day the, off, man. The running the running joke is that everyone thinks someone will be the next coach at Vanderbilt. So that's that's more the running joke than anything. But I man, I don't know. I just uh, I do I do love uh, teaching. Um, I do love like teaching kids how to play like whether it's younger kids or high school kids or even guys on our team and like I love having like my favorite thing about team is conversations that you have like post game about the game or about what you saw or you know hey man like you're outing tonight like let you threw the ball well but I do think that if you can get this part down like it's gonna make you even better um or picking teammates up like that's the stuff that I love like I'm kind of become obsessed with like the journey of what it takes to win. Like that's like what I love, you know, is like figuring things out. Like it's so much fun to me. Like I've really become like addicted to it basically. Of like, Is there a specific guy though? Like that you are like, are me, you know, like me and Austin Riley are talking every single night after the game. Is there a specific guy that you, uh, me and to? Riley talk a ton, um, position player wise, me and him talk a ton, me and Ozzy, uh, have a obviously a great relationship. Like I tell people, like at at the field, like me and Ozzy are best friends. We really are. We don't really hang out outside of the field, which is fine. Um, I did invite him to my wedding though, so hopefully he shows up. Uh, but uh, at the field, we're like you know we're like this. Same with uh, Freed. Uh, like we got man, we got some guys that like are baseball people. They love baseball. Uh, the bullpen guys are. I mean. Jake, you know this. Like bullpen guys are their own breed; they're their own. They're crazy, and I love every bit of it. But they, but they see the game from a unique perspective too. And like, we love bouncing things off of each other. Like, hey man, like I think that you could, if you could just execute a few more like, you know, fastballs in. I know analytics say up and away and break the balls down and in, but I think if you really speed somebody up and just a little bit, like that breaking ball plays a little bit better. I love that you know, kind of it's stuff, just like man. Little things like that. that. That's probably the thing I miss most about the game. There's a lot of things, but post game having like myself, a couple starters, a bullpen guy or two and some position players just sitting in there in the clubhouse after the game, maybe having a beer. And we'd sit in there for like an hour, sometimes two hours. And we look at the, at our watch, like, Oh shit, it's one thirty. Like we should probably get home. But that's where we learn the most and maybe keeping a couple of the young rookies in there and just, and just chopping it up like that. that, Those are invaluable experiences. And I, I can only imagine that you guys have had some of the, some of the best ones um, around the league, just with, with the guys that you have. And I I know how much y'all love the game. 
Yeah, I think uh, our one of our big mottos is good teams hang out together. Like good teams spend time together. Like there's no way to get around that. How many? Uh, so how many show dinners do you get? You guys go to a show dinner just about every road trip, or how, how's that working out? Typically, uh, the pitchers they love it. They pitchers love do. It. I, I'm I'm not. Oh man, they love it. And I'm like, man, I'd love it too if I played every fifth day. You know what I'm saying? Like. I, <laughs> <laughs> Ah, fuck you. Like I'm like I mean I'm like I know what happens at these shows. Darren gets a little rowdy here and there. Like was trying to I need to go, you know. I'm in a little bit of a different situation. My fiance is a professional soccer player, her schedule's nuts. So like every bit of time that we get to be able to talk to one another, like I'm trying to take advantage of it because, you know, she deserves that and the whole thing. It's a little bit of a different a different life that we have to live, but uh you know, I'll, I'll go here and there. Uh, I think we got one coming up that I'll I'll probably try and make. Uh, but you know, the pitchers, they're especially the bullpen guys. They live for it, man. Like they. they so who controls? It. Who will run the wine list like at dinners like that? Who's who's uh, who's got that in their hands? Uh, you know, this is this might surprise you, but Ian Anderson. Okay. Okay. What? Yeah. Old soul, man. Like I'm telling you, like the guy, like. You know, he's 20, what, 4, 25, and he, he's definitely, like, the guy that's running. Okay, the okay. Well, I'd say, yeah. Him, uh, Colin. I looked at a lot for guys. his career. I knew it would be uh, one of the arms. Colin. Fuck yeah. Colin McHugh. Um, okay. He's, uh, he definitely can run the run the list as well. Um, man, we got a lot of interesting guys. I love Now, who's, like the, who will be the first one to, like, I don't even want the check to come. They've already given their card. We have a guy like that on the team? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. Uh, good, good. Will Smith is a big mm-hmm. one. Um, uh, Smitty. Yeah. Uh, Olsen. Matt, he's – man, he's he's awesome. Uh, he uh, He's one that will definitely do that too. Uh, and then Chuck, Charlie Morton. Mm. Uh, yeah, a couple salty vets. definitely do that. Yep. Well, what I love is, like, we got, <laughs> we got a multitude – like, we got a ton of guys in the clubhouse that, like, care more about the other than themselves, which I think is like fantastic. I've always said leadership is about serving other people. And I feel like we got guys on our team that like fully do that. And, you know, at the field and everything. That's awesome, man. Hey, I, uh, I have just like two things here. We were going through, you mentioned the fiance, you mentioned the guest list. I, I think a lot of people are interested in what the biggest controversy you face so far in planning a wedding. Has it been the, has it been like live band versus DJ, a big guest list, small guest list, travel wedding, not to like what, what's really tying up the Swanson household, right man, now? there ain't nothing. Like we are fully same vision. Like our thing is so funny. All right. We have a, fantastic wedding planner thank goodness because this would not can't do it on your own what's out there hell yeah no uh they're like asking me about like my dream wedding and i'm like all i care about is that like the people i love the most are there and that we just like have a fantastic time and so i mean like we're all about the party like we want to get married you know take our pictures do the whole thing and then it's like all right, now, uh, you know, Knife Talk by Drake is playing. Yeah, like, we're, like let's it. just go. Like, let's get it going. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So there hasn't, yeah. there hasn't been any holdup with, with any of the stuff because, you know, Mal and I are like two peas in a pod. Like, we very much think the same things, uh, which has definitely made, made it easy. And then the other thing I'm just so – I've been dying to know this, dude. Like, how do you pick out a baseball glove? How did you pick – 
like, is it a 2000 over Rollins over, over, how does that happen for you? And then like, how do you decide to, to trade it out? Or what's a, what's a lifespan of a glove for you look like? Uh, infielders, man, I'm weird about my gloves, which probably not a surprise. Yeah. Uh, so I started using Wilson in college and they always treated me well and I liked their gloves. So thought no, no need to change. Like we said earlier, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, uh, I've been using the same glove, like the exact same glove for a little over three years now. Um, thankfully, I got I got Wash, Ron Washington on my side. So I'll uh, drop my glove off in his locker and he like he does the whole like leather oil. Is he like, that legendary? Yeah, he's I mean, he's the greatest. Like he is absolutely the greatest. So he'll like lather it up and help, you know, the leather be taken care of uh, just because if a glove doesn't break in how I like it. Every leather is different just because different cows, the whole thing, different cuts. Like, you just never know what's going to happen. So, when you get a good one, you just hold on to it. Literally now, are you like Lindor? Will you use it when it's, like, still still firm? Or do you, like, will you use it in spring training or in the offseason to get it to the point where you like it, and then you'll introduce it into a game? I've been I've been breaking one in as my backup for yeah, two years now. Yeah, have to do that. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, like – I basically so I'm not I'm not a two and no. the, the pink uh-huh. roll guy like I'm a straight up OG like I could be playing with you know back in the old days where they just had like an extension of their hand because that's how I want my glove to be like I really want it to like just fit my hand and be a little bit longer and just that's how I want absolutely it. absolutely man so you you give you give your glove to wash uh, when you travel I'm hoping you don't just like do you throw it in the equipment bag and like get it let. Like do you let it get no, I smashed. Have a, I have a little. No, I you have got a, a case. case. Okay, good man. You yeah. got to Now, do you use? Yeah. Uh, is it like that black box, the cube kind of sort of deal that, that some of the guys are using? Similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is, uh, you know, like a hat carrying case that yep. they give out. Yep. Like it's, you know, it actually is perfect like size fit for my infield glove. So I just throw it in there because it's you know it's got the whole like protective mm-hmm. layering and mm-hmm. everything. I just toss it in there. And put the guys that'll throw them in bags. their equipment bags without a case, they're psychopaths. I'm like, how, how, how are you going to do yeah, that I, to your weapon, man? Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think I always think that's odd. I'm 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 OK with that. If it's a brand new glove because it needs to get beat up so it can get broken True. in. True. Because you know, I but but my gamer like that thing, it's it's taken good. care of. Good. I figured it would be. Well, I, I got I got one thing for you. And I get a lot of shit from from these little league dads, and they're they want their kid to go to the big leagues tomorrow. What is one or two things as a, as a young kid that I could have them work on to help them keep their their weight back? Because they're seeing they're seeing off speed now. They're seeing change ups. You know, some guys with some decent curveballs. They're all geared up for the velocity, but they have that they have such a hard time preventing the slide forward. How do how do I keep them on that backside and hands back? Like what? Just some, some because there's things I, I just man. Hey, if you, hey, if you learn, if you yeah, all right. If you if you if you figure it out, I might just ask for you to give me some tips. Because I, yeah, um, I, I, I I could hit okay, you know, but as soon as guys would start throwing me spin early in the count, I'm like it's over. Like I'm looking straight heater. I can't hit this cutter. I can't. I, I can't hit this this hammer curveball that I'm trying to trying to see off Morton or, or whatever. No shot. You know. You know. You know what I think is good for kids is like not even like mechanically or getting them to like how do I keep my weight back. It's more about like how can I get the mental of like them to not be scared to swing and miss. Okay. Yeah. 
because I, I think that when you know this, like when the mind isn't clear, the body doesn't move. Right. So the more that the kids can be just like be on attack. And if you swing at three straight breaking balls, like I'll be okay with it. And we'll learn from that as opposed to trying to teach them how to, how to hit everything at once. Cause if you're trying to hit four different pitches. Well, and it's like, how, how do you, how hit. do you hit the curveball? It's like, you don't miss the fastball. And when it comes to infield, there'd be one thing that I, whenever I teach kids how to catch the ball, I line them up and I say, listen, this is how simple it's going to go today. Every ground ball that's hit to you. Okay. Every fungal that's hit, you have to catch on the run and you have to catch with one hand. And the reason I say that is because until a kid gets comfortable catching the ball with one hand and catching on the run, they'll never be able to catch a ground ball. And they go, well, I'm trying to keep it in front. And I said, do you want to keep the ball in front or do you want to catch it? I'd rather catch it. So this is how you're going to do it. And I'm telling you, like, kids start to understand, like, how to go catch a certain hop. When you're catching it with one hand on the run, you have to catch it. And the how, ball to move and like how to be athletic. Move like an athletic. How to be aggressive. My dad, my dad, so my dad taught me everything about fielding since like I've been catching ground balls the same way since I was itty bitty. And his biggest thing was play offense on defense. That was what he would always say. And it's like, once you start to realize like, Oh wow, I can, you know, cut down 20 feet of a throw because I'm going to get the ball instead of waiting back. It makes my life so much. And how many times do you get a ball where you can set your feet perfect, your gloves right down in front of you, chest over the ball that that might only happen once or twice a game, where it's hit directly at yeah, you. That's, but you're right. You got you got to you got to feel on the move. You got to be an athlete. It's a one handed game, like it just is. It's a one handed game, and we're always obsessed with like the two hands thing. I'm just like it's a one handed game. Play, you know, on the run. Learn how to catch the ball out in front, and good things are going to happen. No, so that's phenomenal. What a great endorsement, seriously, from like the king of fundamentals and stuff. That's great. Say say they they are fielding a ball in front of them. I stress get the glove on. You want I want your leather to touch the infield dirt or the grass, because in my mind, and I'm sure in yours, it's way easier to move up on the ball than to try and stab at it downward. And there's no worse feeling than having a ball mm-hmm. go between your legs. Mm-hmm. Or the way I would say it too is like play with your eyes underneath the ball, basically. Like, because I feel like that, that, like, when your eyes are underneath the ball, like, you can actually work through a ball. Like, you can't work through a ball from up here, but you can work through a ball from, like, with your eyes sure. from underneath. Um, another good thing, a teaching tool for kids is when you hit them fungos, make them count the hops. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it's count just a different way of, like, yeah. Of, is this a Ron Washington thing? That is not, No. The Ron Washington is all about like how to move count through the, the hops, ball, basically. Like that's that's yeah, count the hops, dude. That's a good one because I'm writing it down right now. That yeah. So Jake. counting the hops, that almost like can we sell a count the hop shirt? We should count sell like a hops. count the hop shirt. Dude, I, I love that so much. I appreciate you telling me that. Um, now yeah. counting the hops too make like you're you're in the moment. You're you have to be laser mm-hmm. focused, especially if the ball's hit at you pretty well. Like that, that, that'll right. keep you f- totally locked in to, to fielding that ground ball. So that's, that's genius, man. It's a, it's a, it's a rhythm builder. 
because then you start to understand like if it's the hop is one two three four five versus the hop is one two like you start to understand what hop to go get and like i said your folk like it's a way especially for kids it's a way to like actually get a kid to focus <laughs> you know like you have to actually focus to now talk to me a little bit about moving working through the ball the the philosophy of that is that to mm-hmm. in my mind it can it helps you eliminate like a shitty hop right if you're moving through it is yeah. that is that kind of and, and what mm-hmm. else what's what's another reason mm-hmm. for that to me moving through a hop also allows you to like ball with the momentum of going to where you're trying to throw the ball right so like if you're going through the ball then that means like i'm catching it going through towards the direction in which i'm throwing um in terms of like the actual mechanic of it you should never break your wrist over like your wrist should always be in the same position and it's like this stays the same you you, the wrist doesn't do this when you catch a ground ball it stays like right firm firm wrist Mm -hmm. man all right um, yeah, I'm practicing over here. Everybody's watching the YouTube. You don't think I'm not listening. I still play soft. I still play softball. I'll be out there at second base on Tuesday night. Count the hops. Well, tonight I should say this comes out tonight. Um, amazing stuff, dude. I got to my last thing. I, if you see the Jersey behind me, I got a personal thing with you here. Yeah, now. we spanked okay, you, that's man. The Illinois we orange. Spanked Fuck you, man. <laughs> what you got to say something nice about the Illinois baseball program though. We're not the SEC. You know, we we hosted that super regional. You guys did not. So. No, I mean, they had a good team that year, man. I just think that people people just overlooked us for whatever reason. We had like eight big leaguers on that team, but that team is a that team would be competitive versus my Cubs versus some squads like. Maybe in a, like a three-game set or something. You look at some of the pitchers, obviously Brian Reynolds. Ro, Ro Coleman still playing? Uh, no, he is not. Uh, Brian Reynolds, Jaron Kendall, who was a first-round pick. Uh, Will Toffey, who's in AAA, I believe. Um, Jason DeLay, who's had some time in the big leagues with the Pirates. Kyle Wright, uh, pitcher for us. Uh, Walker Bueller, a uh, guy named Phil Pfeiffer, who was in AAA for a while. Um, Xander Wheel, who got picked up in like the fifth round. I mean, we had some Jordan Sheffield was first rounder pitching the big leagues, Ben Bowden pitching the big leagues. Like we were not short on talent. That is uh, definitely something we were not short on was talent. Well, Dansby, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know it's tough during the season on the road. I know you're very busy. Um, enjoyed having you. No doubt. I appreciate it. I, I'm telling you, I love, talking about baseball I love coaching and like helping if I can help somebody with how I process things like well I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get so your number I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot you a text and uh I'll, I'll, I'll need to keep please picking do. your brain man because that's uh it's really good stuff thanks please a lot do. please do I appreciate it yeah yeah thank you very much guys dance Dansby Swanson shortstop Atlanta Braves uh let's get back to the show all right that's Dansby Swanson the Braves are surging. If I was Colin and I listened to that interview, I'd be very nervous. It's, yeah. I mean, it, the Braves, Braves are coming. We talked about this for the last, you know, a couple months. You know, are, are the Mets going to run away with it? Well, it doesn't look like it. Just the way that guy talks, I can't see the Braves slumping. Like, I just, I can't see them getting into one of these stretches where, you know, you just look right now. 
the Blue Jays are one and nine in their last ten. Like I just don't know if the Braves can do that in a ten game stretch. If you have a guy like that every single day showing up, who's like, we're gonna hedge our bet if we lose a game. We know we're gonna win tomorrow. Come on, man. Well, and you and you, you you hear the way he talks about the only focus is on winning that night. And if that's if everybody's on board with that mindset, doesn't guarantee victory, but it puts you guys in a position to have to have success, to have a success as a team. And, you know, Bryce Harper was one of these guys, like Dansby, where if he went 0 for 4, but we won the game, dude was happy. If he was 4 for 4 and we lost, you know, a, a tough game, um, you know, a team walked us off or, or we just blew the game, guy was pissed. The guy did not give a shit that he had four hits. He, he, he just wants to win. And with that collective mindset, you know, and it doesn't surprise me that that's, that's the Braves mentality in, in that clubhouse. And for decades. It seems like that's what the Braves have have bred into their players. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost, my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. They get, like, disrespected. I think in the, in the like, national acceptance of how dominant and, like, consistently good they are. You talk about the Green Bay Packers, people are like, oh, dude, the Packers every year, they're so good, this and that. What a great organization. The Cardinals get their, you know, get their D sucked a lot. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of, a lot of organizations in sports get their D sucked before the Braves get credit for being a wagon. You bring it up, I'm like, yeah, dude. You know, the, in the TBS, the Turner Network, being able to watch them as a kid every day, those 13 straight division championships, maybe, maybe as unbreakable as a record can get it for team professional. Like, divi- like that's in, that didn't happen in 1930 when they had six teams or 12 no. teams. That happened. And it shows you. Like, mm-hmm. in the middle of the steroid. And it just shows you. Because, like, if you can do something like that for, for uh, you know, almost a decade and a half, you know, you're not doing that with the same uh, with the same roster every year. Did they have a, a handful of guys that, um, you know, for that stretch? Sure. But I, I – I don't. I don't know if they had more than four or five guys uh, on on all of those teams, if that. So that just shows you that it's like the like the Cardinals do seem to do the same thing. Just year after year, they just bring up these guys that um, seem to be ingrained from from an early age with with the ability uh, and the knowledge of of how to how to win. And the Braves are are damn good at it. Mm. Yeah, if I was a Mets fan, I'd be terrified right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, he's there. There's a there's a there's a little fear in his voice. Just a, just a tick, even if you want to admit it. Even if you want to admit it. Just a little. Just a little bit. Also, shout out all biz Pete. Internet slowing down a little bit at HQ. So uh, if you can't see Colin on the YouTube, just uh, like and subscribe. Anyways, resubscribe unsubscribe um all right so we're gonna talk to charlie black i don't like teasing interviews but i'm gonna do it anyways we're gonna talk to charlie blackman 
And, uh, yeah, that should be int- – I, I, that's a guy I've been following for a while, so we should be back on Thursday with Charlie Blackman. Um, it's good to see you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to get – I want to get the second half going. I'm a second-half guy. We have momentum moving in the right direction. And, you know, we get to do – we're going to do a show in, in two days. So we'll be right back, right back in, the, uh, in the saddle, uh, ready, ready to keep rolling. I'm going to have some awards, some first – First half awards, I'll tease one now. I'm going to piss some people off about my AL MVP award. And there's going to be a lot of people in Collins' neck of the woods that are going to be coming after me for my takes. But uh, we give them back on Thursday. We'll be giving out our first half season awards. We'll be going through projections, picking our World Series winners from the first half, et cetera, stuff like that. We're also getting ready for the All-Star game. Thanks, guys, for subscribing and tuning in. That Dansby Swanson stuff's great, especially all the Braves fans that tuned in this week, too, just to hear Dansby um, and got to know us this week. Thank you guys very much for showing up. We we very much appreciate your business. Yeah, Dansby just can't can't say enough about the guy. Um, and he, he will he will be a hell of a coach one day. He will be a hell of a coach, whether that's whether he takes over the Vanderbilt job or, or you know, decides to – to stay in pro ball. I mean, this guy, he's, he's got, he's got a ton of knowledge uh, and he's going to help, you know, influence a lot of guys' careers. Maybe a cameo with the outlaws next, uh, next season. I'd love to, I'd love to see him out there. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard to get him out, you know, during the season. What we'll have to do is we'll have to, I will check the schedule. We'll play in a tournament in Atlanta. We'll just we'll take the outlaws to Atlanta. I, I, I swear to God, Dansby Swanson is going to be showing up to it. One of Cooper's games and talking about like counting hops and working through you know. the ball. Yep. Yeah. What was he saying? Watch the bottom of the baseball. Uh, work from from the bottom of the baseball. Basically, meaning you know keeping your head down. When kids do this, when kids kids try and the, the chin goes up, right? You you lose the ability to like work through the baseball. So you know that's that's some. Um, I, as soon as I get off here, I'm grabbing the glove. Me and Coop. Throw him a few balls. We're going to work on some shit. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Well, he's a lackey house, so I got to. I got to go get him. All right, go get him. I had an albatross last week, guys. So don't forget. Congrats, man. All right, thank you very much. We'll see you guys on Thursday. And uh, again, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Yes, sir. Until next time.